0: Praise the Lord, everybody. This is Brother Paxton, and our class today is going to be on the initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, for our, our study purposes today, we're not going to deal with the baptism in the Holy Spirit itself. Uh, that will be another lesson. So, I suppose this lesson is directed more to believers than anything else. There are many believers who have asked if tongues is the initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit and of course we believe that it is and we're going to look at that today if you study the acts of the apostles you'll find out that when folks were filled with the Holy Ghost they began to speak with other tongues from this we can gather that tongues are the initial evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit of course there are other evidences that follow but this is the initial evidence. This is the sign that someone has received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So I want you and I to look through the book of Acts and study five instances where it's recorded that people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. We'll answer the question. How many times do we find that speaking with tongues is the initial evidence for the infilling of the Holy Ghost? Let's start on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was first poured out on the church. So in your Bibles, let's look at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. I have a message I preach called They Were All Filled. And I want you to know that being with one accord in one place, the one place where we all need to be, is with our faith properly placed 100% and exclusively in what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. That is the that is the Holy Spirit baptism comes through the cross, praise God. Verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, <clears throat> and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice what happened the very moment they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now if that had just happened one time, we might think, well, that was just a phenomena that happened at the very beginning when the Holy Spirit was first poured out on the church. But as you're going to see as we study along here today, this phenomenon did not just happen on the day of Pentecost. Let's look in Acts chapter 8 and let's find out what happened when Philip the evangelist ministered to the people of Samaria. <clears throat> Acts chapter 8, verse 5 Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people, with one accord, gave heed unto those things which Philip spake hearing and seeing the miracles which he did for unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed and there was great joy in that city hallelujah let's drop down to verse 12 but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ they were saved okay these people were already saved they were baptized both men and women now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God they sent unto them Peter and John who when they were come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost so we see here and understand that the baptism in the Holy Ghost is a is a occasion that is subsequent to salvation There's a difference between being born of the Spirit, that's what happens when you get born again, and being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. So someone might say, well, it doesn't say in this passage that the Samaritans spoke with tongues, so that must mean that a person can receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit without speaking in tongues. But if you were to make that statement, it's because either you haven't studied the scriptures or church history very closely at all. First, a a student of church history knows that the Early church fathers agree that the believers of Samaria did, in fact, speak with tongues. Secondly, if you go on reading in chapter 8 of the book of Acts, you'll learn something important and significant about a fellow named Simon the sorcerer. He had supposedly come to believe in Jesus under Philip's ministry in Samaria, <clears throat> Excuse me. and he was even baptized in water. Let's find out what happened here in Acts chapter 8, verse 18 and 19. And when Simon saw, now notice that word, when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. If speaking in tongues did not accompany the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Samaria, how would Simon have known that they received the Holy Spirit? See, the Bible says that Simon saw something. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given. Excuse me. There had to be some outward evidence that registered on Simon's physical senses for him to know that the people had been filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, Simon certainly didn't see the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a spirit being unable to be seen by the physical eye. If there hadn't have been some kind of supernatural manifestation that registered on his physical senses, Simon couldn't have seen that they received the Holy Ghost. Some time ago, a minister said to me, well, maybe the Samaritans were just full of joy. Maybe that's what Simon saw. But that couldn't be the answer because Simon had already seen joy manifested when the Samaritans had first gotten saved. If you'll remember, verse 8 says... And there was great joy in that city. So what do you suppose happened in this instance? The most logical thing that you and I can conclude is that Simon saw the same thing that happened in Acts 2 when the 120 were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues. Acts 2 and 6 says, now when this, and the this that's being referred to, is the 120 believers speaking in other tongues, was noised abroad, the multitude came together. Then Peter stood up and preached to them and said, Having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he, Jesus, hath shed forth this, which you now see and hear, Acts 2.33. Notice those words, see and hear. The people who gathered together on the day of Pentecost saw and heard the 120 newly Spirit-filled believers speak with other tongues, and evidently Simon saw the same thing. Early church fathers agree that the Samaritans spoke with tongues. And elsewhere in the New Testament, the Bible says that believers spoke with other tongues when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So from all evidence that we have available to us, speaking with other tongues was the sign that convinced Simon, that the Samaritans had received the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Notice what Simon did as soon as he saw this phenomena. He offered Peter and John money because he wanted the same power to minister the Holy Ghost to people. See, he didn't really try to, Simon didn't really try to buy the Holy Spirit. He tried to buy the authority or the power to lay hands on people so they could receive the Holy Spirit when saw if simon the sorcerer would would he have tried to buy the power to give something to people if he couldn't discern whether or not they had received anything would he have tried to buy something if there was no supernatural manifestation in connection with it any sensible person would conclude that the answer is no so simon offers peter and john money saying in effect give me this power so I can lay hands on people and see them receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him in verse 20, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. One Greek scholar p- points out to us that the root word of the Greek word translated matter in verse 21 is the same root of the word translated utterance in Acts 2.4. It says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's the same Greek word translated matter in verse 21 here in chapter 8. So when Peter said, thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, he was literally saying thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter of supernatural utterance, this matter of speaking with other tongues. This proves conclusively that these Samaritans spoke with other tongues when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now let's look at Acts chapter 9 at Saul of Tarsus, soon to be called Paul, praise God, when he was saved and later, in a separate experience, received the Holy Spirit. He was approaching the city of Damascus with letters in his possession that gave him the authority to put in prison any who were called Christians. Suddenly a light shone around about him, brighter than the noonday sun, and he fell to the earth, blinded by the light. Let's read Acts chapter 9, verses 4 through 6. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And when he said, Who art thou, O Lord? Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. As we discussed earlier, Simon changed immediately when he saw Jesus in this vision. And he called Jesus Lord. Later, the Apostle Paul may have had this personal experience in mind when he wrote to the Romans in chapter 10, verse 9, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. We know, therefore, that on the road to Damascus, Saul of Tarsus got born again. Praise God. He confessed with his mouth that Jesus is Lord, and he certainly believed that God raised Jesus from the dead. After all, there he was on the road to Damascus talking to a resurrected Jesus Christ. Then in verse 6, Saul asked, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Jesus told him, Arise, go on into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So let's read a little further, picking it up in verse 10. And there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, arise. And go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight, and be filled with the Holy Ghost excuse me now notice again this filling with the Holy Ghost is a separate experience from salvation and immediately verse 18 there fell from his eyes as it had been scales and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized notice that this passage doesn't say anything about Paul speaking with tongues Yet later we read where Paul said in 1 Corinthians fourteen eighteen, I think, my God, I speak with tongues more than ye all. When do you suppose Paul began to speak with tongues? The most logical thing to conclude is that Paul started speaking in tongues when he was filled with the Holy Ghost, just as the 120 believers did on the day of Pentecost. Let's look now briefly at Cornelius and his household. Ten days after the day of Pentecost, the household of Cornelius, who was a devout Roman centurion, was saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Cornelius was praying one day when an angel appeared to him and told him to send someone to Joppa to inquire at the house of Simon the Tanner for a man named Peter. Meanwhile in Joppa, Peter had gone out on the housetop to pray. During this time of prayer, Peter fell into a trance and had a vision. Falling into a trance is one type of vision in which a person's physical senses are suspended as he or she receives revelation from God. In this vision, Peter saw a giant sheet let down from heaven by its four corners. In the sheet were all kinds of beasts, both clean and unclean. Let's pick it up, Acts chapter 10, verse 13. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord. For I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again, the second time, What God has cleansed, that call not thou common. Hallelujah. The Jews looked upon Gentiles as being unclean, and therefore they wouldn't have anything to do with them. But God was getting prepared. God was getting Peter prepared for what Peter would soon witness, the gospel being preached to the Gentiles. Hallelujah. That's what the Lord meant when he said in the vision, what God has cleansed, call that not common. Hallelujah. When Peter pondered the meaning of this vision, the Holy Spirit spoke to him, saying that three men had come to see him and that he was to go with them. So Peter left with the three men for Cornelius' house, along with several Jewish brethren. When they arrived, Peter preached the gospel to Cornelius and to his entire household. Hallelujah. Let's pick it up in Acts ten forty four. While Peter yet spake these words, while Peter was preaching Christ and him crucified, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Hallelujah. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost here's verse 46 for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God these believing Jews were astonished that the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles you see up to that moment it had been strictly a Jewish church these Jewish believers didn't think anyone could get on get in on this new covenant except the Jews So what convinced the Jewish brethren who were present that the door of salvation had opened to the Gentiles? How did they know that these folks had received the Holy Ghost? Verse 46 tells us, For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Hearing those Gentiles speak with tongues was the thing that convinced the Jewish brethren that Cornelius and his household had received the Holy Spirit just like they had. See, sometimes... You don't sometimes you don't wait a long time you get saved and then a few moments later the Lord will baptize you in the Holy Ghost it, they're always separate events though sometimes it might be a week or a month or six months or a year between salvation and the baptism in the Holy Ghost but it doesn't have to be you see what I'm saying let's look last of all at the disciples at Ephesus The last recorded instance where folks received the Holy Spirit is found in Acts 19. This incident in the city of Ephesus happened about 20 years after the day of Pentecost. Acts 19, verses 1 and 2, Paul and his company of believers we're talking about here, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. In other words, they were already believers. He said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. These were believers who were walking in all the light they had. They hadn't even heard that there was a Holy Spirit until they met Paul. Let's go to verse 3. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. You see, John the Baptist baptized in water, teaching people to believe in the one who would come after him. But these Jewish believers lived in Ephesus, which was located in Asia Minor, and they didn't know all that had happened back in the land of Israel. Now let's pick it up, Acts 19, verse 5. Now when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. What happened the moment the Holy Ghost came on these believers? They spake with tongues and prophesied. In Acts chapter 2, the infilling of the Holy Spirit was accompanied by a mighty rushing wind, tongues of fire. In no other instance of believers receiving the baptism in the Holy Ghost do we read about either of those manifestations. For example, uh, in Acts chapter 10, the believers magnified God after receiving the Holy Spirit And we just saw in Acts chapter 19 that they prophesied. Some folks do receive something besides tongues at the time they are filled. Let me say that again. Some folks do receive something besides tongues at the time they're filled with the Holy Spirit. But remember, the initial evidence of speaking with other tongues always comes first. The Bible doesn't say that they prophesied and spoke with tongues. It said they spoke with tongues and prophesied. We shouldn't expect any more when we initially receive the Holy Ghost than what the Word of God teaches. If another spiritual gift is added, well and good. But these other manifestations may or may not follow the baptism in the Holy Spirit. On the other hand here, in three out of five recorded instances in Acts where people receive the Holy Ghost, the Bible definitely states that believers spoke with other tongues. These three instances occurred in the 20-year time period between the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, and Paul's encounter with the Ephesian believers in Acts 19. The majority of evidence, then, would be on the side of tongues as the initial evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. As for the other two instances, the Bible infers that the believers spoke with tongues, as we've already discussed with you today. So I believe it's safe to say that we've proven conclusively that five times out of five recorded instances in the Bible, in the book of Acts, believers who were filled with the Holy Spirit experienced the initial evidence of speaking with other tongues. This would lead us to believe that any person today who desires to be filled with the Holy Ghost will speak with other tongues as well. Now in closing, let me state again That we're not talking about the baptism in the Holy Ghost as a whole. We're focusing today just on the aspect of is tongues, the initial evidence that one has received the baptism. And of course we believe that it is. We believe the Bible emphatically teaches that it is. And if you are a believer, if you if you have faith in Christ and Him crucified, you can receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit today, and you need to do so, because you're, we're commanded to go on and receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost, and you will receive power from on high, hallelujah. You will receive the power of God when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, and it, your life will be completely changed and revolutionized. And when you do receive, hallelujah, the initial evidence that you have received, you will receive. Speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. Glory to God. Heavenly Father, thank you for this this time of teaching, teaching believers here today, Lord. In the name of Jesus, and we thank you for the Word of God that you have given us, that shows us these instances and backs up the truth that we're teaching the people today. Father, take these words and put them in our hearts, Lord God. Anoint us by the Holy Spirit to hear and receive of the Word today we ask it all in Jesus name giving you the praise and glory And everybody would say praise the Lord everybody this is Brother Paxton we are continuing our lessons on the baptism with the Holy Spirit and these are some exciting lessons and very important lessons Uh, obviously Jesus commanded us that we should wait for the promise of the Father that we should be endued with power from on high he told the disciples that uh, today we want to ask a very important question, and prayerfully, by the help and grace of the Lord, answer it. Do you have to tarry to receive the Holy Spirit? Now over the years, I've, I've been in Pentecost for about 30 years, and you hear just about every kind of old teaching that you can possibly think. I've heard people say that, well, uh, if you really want to have the Holy Spirit, you got to go to Jerusalem to get it, because that's where it was poured out, and all of this foolishness Um, I've also heard this business of you've got to tarry long and hard to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I don't believe there's any scripture in the Bible that teaches that believers today have to tarry to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, listen to me. Before we start on that teaching, I want to say this to you. In our last lesson, we discussed tongues as the initial evidence that one has received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I believed we proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that tongues is the initial evidence of the Holy Spirit infilling. But I, I felt left off in my spirit when we were through with that teaching. I want to say this to you concerning receiving the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Don't get your faith on tongues. Don't get your eyes on tongues. Put your faith in the finished work of Christ upon the cross and ask him for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And the scripture says, ask and you shall receive. Amen. You will speak with other tongues. We made that abundantly clear. But too many people get hung up on tongues and they get their eyes on tongues and they get their faith on tongues. And when your faith is on any other object besides Christ and him crucified, you won't receive. So hence you've got these people, you know, telling you you need to tarry. You need to tarry long and hard. You need to tarry. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible tell us as it regards tarrying to be filled? In all of the scriptural evidence that we've examined so far, there's no suggestion to me anyway that the people in the early church were ever taught to tarry to be filled with the Holy Ghost. If we want to be thoroughly New Testament in our beliefs, we should never teach anyone to tarry for the baptism of the Holy Spirit either. Now, somebody would ask, what about on the day of Pentecost? <clears throat> Didn't those 120 believers tarry in an upper room in Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high? And of course, you can read that in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Acts chapter 1, and chapter 2. This is true, that this is the only instance. This is the only instance in the book of Acts where people were baptized with the Holy Spirit after tarrying. But those 120 believers were waiting or tarrying for the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus had commanded them, tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high, Luke 24:49. The reason that they had to tarry was because the Holy Ghost hadn't yet been poured out on the earth to carry on Jesus' ministry. Then, on the day of Pentecost, hallelujah, the Holy Spirit came to this earth like a rushing mighty wind to carry on the ministry of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit's been here ever since. From that day on, it's just been a matter of receiving him, not a matter of waiting for him to come. If I if I could get one thing across to you more than any else it would be this the baptism in the holy spirit praise god just like anything else that you and i receive from the lord well it's two things i want to get through to you number one everything that we receive from the lord comes through the cross hallelujah number two it is a gift you you don't carry for a gift you don't Beg for a gift, you receive a gift. And I think this will become clear as we go along. Just read through the book of Acts, those five instances that we taught you in in a previous lesson on tongues as the initial evidence. You'll notice that after the initial outpouring in Acts chapter 2, people never again waited to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Not one single time did they wait. Why would they wait? The Holy Spirit was already here, praise God. Let's go back to what Jesus said to the disciples in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17. Jesus said, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Praise God the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us. Hallelujah. Verse 17, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Now that tells us something else. That tells us that the infilling of the Holy Spirit is strictly for believers. It is not for the world. It is not for unbelievers. It's not for the unsaved. The baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance is only for those who have been born again. And Jesus said the Holy Spirit would stay with us. Praise God forever. Hallelujah. Remember that we discussed earlier uh... the the world can receive the work of the holy spirit in the new birth the world receives the born again experience being born of the spirit so that means that jesus is not talking about the salvation experience here in john fourteen he's saying that the world cannot receive the infilling of the spirit of truth the baptism in the holy ghost because that is a gift that is reserved for believers in, in John 16:13, Jesus goes on to say, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all the truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will shew you things to come. Notice those words, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come. See, the Holy Ghost in all His fullness had not yet been manifested in the sense that Jesus was talking about here at the time of the initial outpouring in Acts chapter 2. So they had to tarry. Something else I want to say about the Holy Spirit baptism. It's very clear from that verse of Scripture in John 16. Let's read it again. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. If you, to, if you want to avoid false doctrine, if you want to avoid error, it's imperative imperative that you receive the genuine baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. The Holy Spirit shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. I firmly believe with all of my heart that believers who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, according to the Bible pattern in Acts 2 and 4, I believe they have a greater sense of discernment than any other believers. I'm not going to back up from saying it. I believe if you're truly following the Lord and your faith is maintained in the proper object, Christ and Him crucified, and you're baptized with the Holy Spirit according to the Bible pattern, you have a higher sense of discernment available to you than those parts of the body of Christ. Praise God, they're saved. Hallelujah. But if they don't have the baptism in the Holy Ghost, they cannot go to the higher level that you can go to. And I believe that with all of my heart. I don't believe that makes us superior. I believe that's why it's important that we need to get this message of the Holy Spirit baptism out, though. Amen. We need to tell people about it. If you preach on it, people will get filled. Preacher, if you'll preach on being baptized in the Holy Ghost, people will get filled. Hallelujah. And their lives will be radically changed with the power of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Jesus' words in this verse had the beginning fulfillments on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost came like a, a rushing mighty wind to this earth, and 120 believers were filled, suddenly baptized with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues. We might experience supernatural manifestations when the Holy Ghost is moving, including something that seems like wind, but never do we experience the mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost as those 120 experienced it on that first day of Pentecost more than 2,000 years ago? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so somebody would say, well, why not the tongues of fire? Why not the rushing mighty wind, etc.? Well, that was, the, that was the Holy Ghost coming. Hallelujah. He's here now. And everything, please remember this, child of God today, everything we receive we receive by faith faith in the finished work of christ upon the cross hallelujah there's the other four instances in the book of acts that we looked at i mean as you move on to acts eight you won't find any suggestion at all that the people of samaria were taught to tarry for the holy ghost these people believed in jesus they got saved they were baptized then the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that the Samaritans had received the word of God, and they sent Peter and John down there to get them baptized in the Holy Ghost. They laid, Peter and John, when they arrived in Samaria, laid hands on them and prayed for them, and the Samaritans received the Holy Spirit. There's no mention whatsoever that the Samaritan believers tarried before they were able to receive the free gift of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Same thing is true for Saul of Tarsus, who later becomes the great Apostle Paul. Hallelujah. I love Paul's testimony because it shows the power of a changed life. Glory to God. We've already looked at what happened when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, but let's look again at Acts chapter 9, verse 17. Here we see Ananias arriving at the house where Saul had been waiting and praying for three days ever since his conversion on the road to Damascus. Let's read the 17th verse, Acts chapter 9. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with with the Holy Ghost. Ananias knew nothing at all about Saul's spiritual condition, other than the fact that Saul had been praying, because the Lord told that to Ananias in a vision, in Acts chapter 9, verse 11. Yet it seems that there was no doubt in Ananias' mind that Saul would receive the Holy Spirit the very moment he laid hands on Saul. There is no suggestion of Saul needing to tarry or wait to be filled with the Holy Spirit either. Yet Saul probably didn't know a thing in the world about the Holy Ghost until Ananias came and laid hands on him then in Acts chapter 10 once again we see Cornelius and his household didn't have to tarry at all to be filled with the Holy Spirit let's read Acts 10 uh, 44 through 46 while Peter yet spake these words the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Those who were in attendance there at Cornelius' household were all Gentiles. They were not saved until Peter came and preached to them. Let's read Acts 11, verse 13 and 14. And he, Cornelius, showed us peter and his jewish companions how he had seen an angel in his house which stood and said unto him send men to joppa call for simon whose surname is peter who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved so cornelius and his household were saved as peter preached to them that means they had received salvation and were baptized in the holy ghost almost simultaneously When people first get saved, that's often the best and easiest time in the world to get them filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. No one laid hands on the people of Cornelius' household, yet they all received the Holy Ghost virtually at the same time. Not one person in that room failed to receive. Praise God. As we noted earlier, it was these Gentiles speaking with other tongues that fully convinced peter's jewish companions that the gentile believers had received the holy spirit the jewish brothers were astonished that the holy ghost had been poured out on the gentiles but let me stress this again the fact that these gentiles immediately began to speak with tongues and magnify god indicates to us that they did not tarry or wait for even a moment to be filled with the holy ghost finally let's go to acts 19 Let's see if the believers Paul met in Ephesus had to tarry to receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 19, verse 1, And it came to pass, that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples. He said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him who should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied praise god these were gentile believers who were walking in the little bit of spiritual light that they had hallelujah i'm so glad that god is merciful with us you know the lord doesn't expect a lot out of us the lord expects us to have faith in the finished work of christ upon the cross and once you once you get to that point where you're looking exclusively to the finished work of jesus upon the cross it opens up it opens up doors of spiritual glory to you that it will bother your mind to even try to comprehend the things that God will do in your heart and life if your faith is properly placed in the finished work of Christ upon the cross. Hallelujah. I, I tell you, I've preached myself happy here today. Glory be to God. When your faith is in what Jesus has done, glory be to God. When your faith is in what he did at Calvary, hallelujah, then you can simply ask him, to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, and he will do it. Now remember, there's a difference between being born of the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. When you get born again, you get the Holy Spirit after a fashion. You're born of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is involved in the new birth. No man calleth Jesus Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Amen. But that's different than being filled with or baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's a subsequent event that takes place after salvation. It might be just a moment after. It might be a day or two days after. It might be a week after. It might be six months after, but it's after salvation. First you're saved. The world cannot receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But once you're saved, the Lord wants you to receive the Holy Spirit. And the Lord is merciful with you. He will deal with you so kindly and so graciously in all the light that you have presently. But go on and believe him for these great and wonderful things. Amen. Paul didn't stop with those believers at Ephesus. He didn't stop just preaching Jesus, man. He went on and said, now you can be filled with the Holy Ghost too because of the cross. Because Jesus opened up the way for you to have a comforter. Hallelujah. Here's the point I want you to see from this discussion today. The very moment Paul laid his hands upon these new converts, the Holy Ghost came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. They all received the Holy Ghost without exception and without the slightest. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> with the, it's, my throat is dry in here today, praise God. Without the slightest suggestion of tarrying. So we ask the question Do you have to tarry to receive the Holy Spirit? Nowhere in the Bible does it teach such a thing. Nowhere in the Bible. The promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off. Let's read that in Acts 2.39. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And the latter part of verse 38 says this. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Lord God, today, thank you for your gift. Thank you, Father, that the Holy Spirit can come and take up residence within us. Thank you, Lord, that we can partake of the power of Almighty God, the very power that raised Jesus from the dead. We can partake of that because of your grace. We thank you for it, Lord. And, Father, we ask right now that you would take these words that we have spoken and Holy Spirit, teach us today. Holy Spirit, help us in these matters today. Father God, as we give these lessons to, the, to your believers, Father, to the body of Christ God, we ask that you will help us to be rooted and grounded in the faith. And we ask it giving you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. This is Brother Paxton. We're back again for another uh, segment of our teaching on the baptism in the Holy Spirit in today's lesson we're going to entitle it, "Do I have to speak in tongues to be saved now to to a lot of you you know that question would seem kind of foolish because we know the answer is no we we understand that the the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a separate event subsequent to salvation but there are people who teach and preach that uh, you're not saved unless you speak in tongues we don't believe the Bible. Uh, Teaches that at all. I'm going to give you one scripture to start with here in Acts chapter 19 verse 2, and there are many other scriptures We may not cover them all But it says he said unto them have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed so obviously uh, when, When he went to minister the Holy Ghost to these people they were already saved they were already believers This leads us into another question. Does a person receive the Holy Spirit at conversion? Okay? Uh, These believers in Acts chapter 19 were believers who had been baptized by John the Baptist, the baptism of repentance. They were completely unaware of the Holy Spirit. Paul told them fully about the redemptive work of Christ and then Once they were repenting of their sins, once they had repented, they were baptized in water. When they came to Christ and received him as Lord and Savior, they were baptized into Christ. You see, the scripture speaks of three different baptisms. There's the baptism of repentance that John the Baptist preached, water baptism, that water doesn't save you, the water doesn't wash away your sins, water baptism is is an outward sign of an inward happening. Then, first of all, though, the first baptism that a person will experience is the baptism into Christ. That happens when you say yes to Christ, you receive what he did for you at the cross, and you're born again. You are baptized, you are immersed into Christ. Amen. And then there's the baptism in the Holy Spirit, with the initial evidence of speaking with other tongues. There's a great deal of controversy today as to whether a person receives the Holy Spirit at the moment of conversion. And there's only one proper and correct answer to that question. Yes and no. <laughs> now, I know that's a, that's a shocker to some of you, but that's the answer. Yes and no. You see, the responsibilities of the Holy Ghost are many and varied, One of the most important responsibilities that the Holy Spirit has is our regeneration. The Lord said in John 6.44, No man can come to me except the Father draw him. And who acts as the Father's instrument in drawing him? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12.3, No man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is the heavenly agent That draws you and I to the Father, and we can only get to the Father through Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross of Calvary. Let's clarify, if we can briefly, the difference between the relationship of the Holy Spirit in the baptism in the Holy Spirit and in salvation. I want to use an analogy that Brother Swagger has in his textbook on holy spirit from genesis to revelation let's just say that a person is walking in the wilderness on a very warm day off in the distance this person hears the bubbling of a brook the sound draws this person approaching the stream at this point he has been influenced by that living water and spiritually affected by it but that person and the stream remain two separate entities but now If this person decides to enter that stream if he immerses himself in it and swims along with the stream becoming in effect part of the stream the relationship of the stream and the man is a totally different one and so it is in the difference between the Holy Spirit's role in salvation and in baptism the baptism of the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost is a factor in salvation and must be present in order for a person to become convicted and to accept or receive salvation. We quoted earlier uh, John 6, 1 Corinthians 12, 3, Demonstrate this according to the Word of God. But in the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit and the individual become, in a sense, one. The person is immersed, baptized in the Spirit, And the Holy Spirit actually takes up residence in the person. So the question raised a moment ago, uh, do you receive the Holy Spirit at conversion? Yes and no. Yes and no. It's the Holy Spirit who convicted you, who drew you to salvation. But you did not receive the gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit at salvation. That is a deeper, more permanent relationship, and that can only come after salvation so no the people who are uh, teaching that you have to speak in tongues to be saved they are in error listen let me tell you briefly what we believe from the word of God from the Bible okay we believe this we teach and believe from the word of God that speaking in tongues is a valid scriptural expression as given by the Holy Spirit as such It is absolutely relevant to the day and age in which we live. Okay? We do not believe or teach that speaking in other tongues will automatically produce a better Christian. We do not believe or teach that anyone has to speak in tongues to be saved. We do not believe or teach that speaking in other tongues has anything to do with a person making heaven their eternal home, praise God. We do not believe or teach that anyone becomes more saved, quote-unquote, as a result of speaking in tongues. When a person accepts Jesus as his Lord, when a person accepts Jesus as his Savior, he is saved. Now, prayerfully, that person will grow in their walk with the Lord. But at the moment of salvation, he is as saved as he will ever be. And you don't need to speak in tongues to get more saved, to be a better Christian or anything of that nature. The baptism in the Holy Ghost, ladies and gentlemen, is a gift. It's a gift that will empower you. It will open up the the deep streams of living water in God, if you will. We further believe that speaking in other tongues is ordained by God. We believe that it was a common manifestation in the early church. It's just as widespread and proper in the church today. Actually, speaking in tongues has never ceased from that day to this day. We believe that it is a valid manifestation and demonstration of the initial infilling with the Holy Spirit. And we also believe it is a great help to the believer. It it is a giver of strength, and it's also a builder of faith. Praise God. Now, we're going to look in a future lesson on the value of speaking with other tongues. But I wanted to come with this little lesson today to just clarify to you that we believe the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a definite and distinct work of grace subsequent to salvation or after salvation. It's two experiences. They are different. Okay? Because uh, if someone comes along and tries to tell you that you have to speak in tongues in order to be saved, they don't know what they're talking about. But yet, the benefits of speaking in other tongues are so tremendous and so vast and so beautiful that they literally beggar description and boggle the mind. And we're going to look at those benefits uh, as we go along in our study. Also... I want you to understand that you do, after a fashion, receive the Holy Spirit when you're born again. You're born of the Spirit, but that is vastly different than being baptized with the Spirit, as we use that analogy of the stream. And we could even go deeper in that analogy. I mean, a stream, to look at it can be very pleasant, it can give you joy, it can refresh you just looking And you can feel the cool breeze coming off of it, praise God. So there's some refreshment, praise God, in the born-again experience. But when you jump in that stream, hallelujah, and and, and operate in the fullness of the Spirit, praise God, it's even more refreshing, it's even more glorious, it's even more benefit. The Lord implored all of us to go on and receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so we definitely want to be obedient and to ask him for that work of grace. This is something that's given to us freely by God. It's a gift, Acts 2.38 tells us. Salvation is a gift. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is also a gift. And all of it comes through our faith being properly placed in the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. And so if you today want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, simply ask him for it your faith is in jesus and what he did at the, at the cross of calvary <clears throat> he now made it possible for the holy spirit to reside in you praise god to fill you to overflowing praise god and when you ask him for it he will do it he will baptize you in the holy ghost praise god and then somebody asked the question the other day can a believer have gifts of the spirit operate in their life if they're not baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And my answer is this: it's possible but not likely. I mean you're not going to catch many fish if you ain't fishing, so you know so to speak. So when you when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, as the Bible lays out that that is the Bible way, what happens a lot of times is people who have not spoken tongues and have not received the baptism, they want to justify, And they want to say, well, I'm just as good a Christian as you are, bless God. And nobody's saying that you're going to get more saved by getting filled with the Holy Spirit. But if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will receive the initial evidence of it, which is speaking with other tongues, as the Spirit of God gives you that utterance. He will put that utterance within you, and you will do the speaking. Holy Spirit does not do the speaking for you. You do the speaking. Amen. And, and that opens up the whole entire realm of the gifts of the Spirit to you. And the gifts of the Spirit are outlined in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, some of the other gifts mentioned in the Bible are not necessarily gifts of the Spirit. You have some that are gifts of administration. Uh, I think in Romans it talks about some of that. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the discerning of spirits, etc., and so forth, That's outlined as a spiritual gift that comes as a direct result of a supernatural manifestation. Now, let me quickly add this before we move along. You see, we're coming to the value of speaking with other tongues. We're coming to the gifts of the Spirit and all of that. And when we get to those areas, if you'll study it out, you'll see how this teaching all comes together in the Word of God. There is a difference between the gift of tongues, that is, one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, mentioned in 1 Corinthians there. There's a difference in the gift of tongues and the initial evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And see, that throws a lot of people, too, because there's a scripture that says, do all have the gift of tongues? And the answer is no, everybody does not have one of the nine gifts of the Spirit called diverse kinds of tongues. But every believer who is baptized in the Holy Ghost will have the initial evidence of speaking with other tongues. And that's a prayer language. That's a communication between you and God and everybody who's baptized in the Holy Spirit will have that. That is not the same as the spiritual gift of tongues. That is for the church, the public assembly. And it always is accompanied or supposed to be with the interpretation of tongues, So it's two different kinds of tongues that are there. Scripture uses the terminology diverse kinds of tongues. There, there are many. And we'll get into some of that as we go along. We're also going to look at in the future some of the false doctrines about tongues that has been promoted in the modern church, such as warring tongues. You don't find that anywhere in the Bible. We're going, we're going to look all about it in a future lesson. But, to answer our question for today, do I have to speak in tongues to be saved? No. Salvation and the baptism with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues according to Acts 2 and 4, as the Spirit gives the utterance, are two separate events. Okay? You do receive the Holy Spirit, in a sense, when you're born again. But that is not the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That is another event after salvation. And also we've discussed that there is a difference between the initial evidence speaking with other tongues and the gift of tongues that is one of the nine gifts of the Spirit. And as we open the word of the Lord together and begin to look at these things, we will get sound doctrine from the pages of Scripture. Not necessarily from the opinions of men, okay, because people will tell you a lot of different things that they believe, but it really doesn't matter what we believe as long as if it doesn't line up with the Word of God. What we do believe needs to line up with the Bible 100%. Now, I've often said this, I don't really care what the Bible teaches, but whatever it does teach is what I want. Amen. Amen. So we're doing our best here to rightly divide the word of truth uh, on these issues and to, to put the word of God first, and not personal experience, not our own opinions, not what we think about it. So let's recap where we've been so far, and then we're going to let you go for today. First of all... We believe that every single individual who is baptized in the mighty Holy Ghost and fire will speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. That is their prayer language, that is a divine communication with Almighty God, and every believer will have that who has been filled with the Holy Spirit. We further believe that there is a difference between the initial evidence of tongues and the gifts of the Spirit, one of the nine gifts of the Spirit called diverse kinds of tongues. Two different things. Also, we believe that there is a that the baptism with the Holy Spirit is subsequent or after salvation. And we do not believe that you have to speak in tongues to be saved. We do not believe that you will automatically become a better person because you speak with tongues. I mean, common sense and physical evidence would tell you that that's not true. See, the Holy Spirit will operate only within the realm of the finished work of Christ upon the cross. So if you want to be a better Christian, the only way to do that is to keep your eyes on Jesus Christ and let the Holy Spirit go to work in your heart and life and conform you into the image of Christ. Amen? And the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I believe, will heighten the ability for that to be done. I believe it will heighten it to, a, to the nth degree praise God. Jesus said this was important. Also, you'll you'll receive power for preaching and power as a witness when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus told the original 12, he, he told the followers 120, don't go build Bible schools, don't go preach camp meetings, don't go do anything until you are endued with power from on high. So the baptism in the Holy Ghost is for service And we can be effective only as we are endued with that heavenly power, praise God. And all of these things are tremendously important as we consider this vast subject. So do I have to speak in tongues to be saved? No. Will I speak in tongues when I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yes. Hallelujah. And so as we leave that today, uh, we just want you to reach out. And receive the gift. Amen. Reach out and receive what God has for you in Jesus' mighty name. And we, we we pray that for you very sincerely today. And we ask that the Lord would honor his word. We know he shall. And if you have a need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, just reach out and by faith receive it today. Because he desires for you to be filled. Yes, he does. In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, Thank you for this few moments with the people. Father, take this word and plant it into our hearts, Lord, and let it blossom and grow and bring forth fruit. Father, we thank you today for all that you've given us, oh, all because of Calvary. We thank you for your great gifts, and we thank you for your love for us. And, Lord, we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name, amen and amen.